Top guys, top guys, they are all mina top guys, top guys. We have top men working on it right now. Top guys, top guys. Who? Top men. Top guys, top guys, they are all mina top guys, top guys. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Top Guys Movie Podcast. Today we're talking about Nicolas Cage. There is a lot to unpack in the world of Nicolas Cage. We've got JP, we've got Nolan, we've got a great show. Let's get into the Top Guys stuff. Here we go. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Top Guys Movie Podcast. This is Jim Davis, your Top Guy. I've got two Top Guys with me tonight. I've got Nolan and JP. Uh, We're talking about dinner. We're talking about Nick Cage tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nick Cage is such a ephemeral uh, weirdo in the, in the uh, movie industry. I you might even say, you might even say a national treasure. You might you might even say a national treasure too. Book of secrets. <laughs> um, but hey guys, how's it going? JP, I know you got your dog, your wife in the room. Is everybody? Have you cleared those people out? Are we gonna be able to have a conversation? We're cleared out. We are safe. The dogs are sleeping. My wife went back to her computer in the dining room. Um, my are- dog and cat are active in this living room, but my wife is on our run, so I think we're good. Okay, so she's the loudest person in the house, is your wife? <laughs> Can't be. My wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Uh, so yeah, so we're talking about Nick Cage. I, I really want to get into this in the tradition of having Nolan on the podcast. Last uh, last week we did trivia for uh, Trivia 512. When are we going to do this? I'm ready. No, we're not doing trivia this week. We're oh, doing- shit, I'm not ready. Okay. No. <laughs> What we're doing this week? Oh, don't worry, I'll edit that out. Um, well, I, I, I say, I say, let it rock. I mean, it's it's. People have dogs, man. Fuck it, it you know. Those bourgeois fuckers can't handle it. Let them riot, like <laughs> you know. It's okay. We uh, we're we're closing the door. Uh, we we should be eliminated from that. I do have a very brief line item though. Okay, I can I can I cover. can I say the game that I came up with this week? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Okay, so the game this week for Nicolas Cage is called. Two truths and a lie about Nicolas Cage. So what I'll be doing is there'll be three rounds. The first round will be two truths and a lie about Nicolas Cage, and it's yours and Nolan's job to guess the lie. Okay. Um, and then same thing for round two and round three. It'll go really fast, and then we'll get into our our, uh, our honorable mentions. But JP, you have a line item, please. I never want to get in the way of anyone complaining about something dumb. Do it. Mm, I don't can even I, know can, can, I, can I step in real quick? When you when we say I line items, the that doesn't have to have anything to do with anything, right? Correct. No. Okay, because last time I was under the impression, like I was trying to figure out what JP's last line item where he was, I guess, bitching about grocers. Uh, I was trying to figure out how that <laughs> pertained to westerns, and I was totally confused. So the line item is is a line item by definition. It's just it's its own thing. I don't have to like really try to apply it to any other. No. Formula. Okay. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm all straightened out. This is out. something you've observed in the observable universe. Oh, man. You would like to bitch okay. about. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. I was. T- I had it all wrong. I'm all straightened out now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Phenomenal. Okay. So, hope everyone had a nice July 4th. Uh, <laughs> family and I, we went to Galveston. Uh, oh. Not, not the most do. beautiful. Not the most beautiful beach, but it's close. It's accessible. Hope you I got your wallet island. back. I love the people there. The... <laughs> The one thing that I, I, I and, and I'm reminded of this 
every time I go there, which I used to go there a lot in college because my good friend, Garrett Harrison, shout out. I'm going to convince him to start listening to the podcast. His family had a, a, a house in Jamaica Beach that backed up to the canal. We had a great time down there, always did. The amount of littering on the beach in Texas is unacceptable. It's real. It's um, super real. And All of that mess with don't mess with Texas bullshit you see goes out the fucking window when you get a bunch of drunken assholes. Yeah, and look, I look, I, I other than South Padre Island, most of the beaches in Texas are not glamorous. No, and and I and, and I <laughs> exactly right. I'm and sorry. I, <laughs> and I think that I grew up people, on the coast. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, yeah no, I, and I think that, that that people think that that gives them some kind of a license to be like shitty assholes to the nature there. And the the and the thing that I, I I find especially just horrific is that there are these blue trash cans that Galveston County puts out every hundred yards on the entire coastline of Galveston County. So. Like from Crystal Beach, like all the way to like San Luis Pass, or like what whatever the Galveston County lines are, literally every hundred yards for the entire like coastline, and people still find a way to not throw away their trash. <laughs> like it, it's it's like it's like uh it, like people who don't put their shopping cart in the the cart return. It's like oh. it's like just a it's just a test of like human decency. Dude, it's a conscious decision that they're making. Like it's yes, not like it's not it's not a thing they're doing. They're like, no, I'm 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 here. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm deciding to be this type of a person, and it's fucked. No, like yeah, yeah and, it's, and it's, it's it's abhorrent, is what it is. So it is abhorrent. I'm abhorrent. And all I ask, all I ask, is that people throw away their trash anywhere in nature in Texas. It's not that hard. Whether you're on the river, you're at like Travis, you're on the coastline, just. Throw away your trash. That's it. That's all I'm asking people. I don't think it's that big of an ask. And it's going to help our state continue to be the beautiful place that it is. Uh, dude, uh, there are levels of, like, fuckfacery here that drive me nuts. So you mentioned the shopping cart thing, like people not going back to the trolley place. What drives me even more crazy is not that they don't bring their cart back. It's that they bring the little carts and the big carts. People that mix those up drive me fucking crazy. And then people that leave a whole bunch of garbage strewn all over the fucking beach when they realize that other people are going there to enjoy time with their family and friends and they're just ruining it for... I hate, every, I hate people, basically. And, Nolan, that's why we do line items. It's really I, I, I say this a lot and it, and it upsets my wife, Angela, but, like, I feel like two or three times a week I, I'm just like, yes, in the fucking asteroid. Right. Like, I, I'm ready. I, I don't know. Like, I think we're good. I think we're all wrapped. If she's standing in the living room shaking her head at me right now. Right. But, uh... But she I know. knows. She, and she's pointing at the dog. She's like, do you want the dog to die? Like, I don't want the dog to die on an asteroid. But when I hear shit like that, I'm like, yeah, I think we're good as a race. Like, let's just go ahead and, uh start over a single cell amoebas but well if you focus on the bad things nolan i agree then 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 you hate the world and you're ready for the asteroid however there are wonderful things in this world beautiful things and by by that i mean nick cage Ooh, nice segue who, who nice. is one of the most wonderful and one of the most beautiful uh men in in all of hollywood he's got a a thick mane of gorgeous hair um he's got the the smoky Does sultry he look He's got, the, he's got the smoky, sultry look of a cigar store Indian. People but, are saying Nick Cage is the greatest actor 
that Hollywood has ever seen. People Everyone are knows my dream is to be in every movie ever made. Was that Trump on Cage you just did right now? Yeah, Trump okay. on Cage. As long as I'm clear on what's well happening. Done. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just want to know what Let, podcast I'm on. Let's be clear. Donald Trump probably loves Nick Cage. Oh. Like, if he saw him... Well, Donald Trump doesn't drink. He's a teetotaler. I was going to say if he saw him at a bar. If Donald Trump saw Nick Cage on a remote island somewhere, he would immediately think that they're best friends. There's oh, no yeah. doubt in my mind. Well, yeah, because he's delusional and, and psychotic and, and probably has Alzheimer's. But, yeah, he would definitely think that. Um, and just, just fuck Donald Trump. I want to throw that in there. But... I do have a game to play involving Nicolas Cage, and the reason why I came up with this game, this is called uh, uh, Two Truths and a Lie about Nicolas Cage. Um, and the reason why I came up with this, with this is because in doing my research about Nicolas Cage, and I'm sure you guys came across this as well, was you start to read these things and you're like, what? <laughs> like, so oh, many- yeah. No, I, I read the trivia on IMDb on Nick Cage, and it was like, my eyebrows were raised. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? This guy, there's there's legends upon legends around yeah. this guy. One of the legends, Cage may be the Ubermensch. Like, he, he may be. Yeah. But, but he also literally had to like publicly proclaim that he was not uh, immortal and a vampire because there's this photo from like the 1700s that looks exactly like him. <laughs> so like, he's had to go through that shit. But yeah, Nicolas Cage, there's just a lot. When you're that weird and you have that much money... <laughs> there's there's just a lot of crazy shit that's gonna come out with you. So uh, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna start playing two truths and a lie about Nick Cage. Now the rules of the game, guys, uh, just so you understand, is we've, we're gonna have three rounds. I'm gonna give you three items about Nick Cage weirdness, weird things. Two of them are true. One of them is a lie, and you have to pick which one is the lie. I think I've done a pretty good job on this, but we'll see. And whoever gets the most amount of points. Gets to do the sign-off tonight on the Top Guys podcast. Okay. Oh, shit. All right. Round one. Two truths and a lie about Nicolas Cage. Number one. Once had his teeth pulled out for a movie role. Number two. Has a very expensive pet octopus. Number three. He owns the master tapes to all Charles Manson's music. Uh, it's going to be number one. He had his teeth pulled out for a roll. Okay, we're looking for the lie. That's the one you think th- is the I, lie? I, I think that's a lie. Okay. JP? Um, you know, his teeth look suspiciously amazing now, which makes me think he might have dental implants. You know, my mom's a dental assistant. Everybody I'm gonna knows go, that. I'm going to go with the expensive octopus. Only because oh. I, I've seen a lot of animal things he's been into. I've never seen anything about an octopus. You guys? Well, here's the thing. For a movie, 1984, the movie is called Birdie. He had his teeth pulled out. Oh, shit! So that he could feel, he could experience the pain of his character. He has a pet octopus that is worth $150,000. Oh, shit! Jim. Damn. That he says has taught him a lot of life lessons. (laughs) He does not, however, own any of Charles Manson's master tapes. I don't Mm. know who owns those. Okay. That's All right, now, now you're getting the now you're getting the gist of the game. Here we go. Yeah, I'm sucked round, in. Round two. Uh, he was arranged to be buried in a pyramid when he dies. Two. He is part owner of the motorcycle company Harley Davidson. Three. He used to, he used to collect castles looking for the Holy Grail. 
I know he has a predilection towards castles. Because I know he has like some castles built in America, and he's really obsessed about having a European castle imported to America. Yeah, okay. that. So that. So that I'm rolling. I'm rolling true. three out. What's the second one? Sorry, that was all fucking crazy. He is part owner of the motorcycle company Harley Davidson. Yeah, I'm calling. No shit. I think it's A because he he's ghost rider. He could be a fucking motorcycle enthusiast. I know he's into the castles. I'm saying A. Okay, you're saying the lie is. He has a range to be buried in a pyramid when he does. Yes, yes. Okay. I, I, yeah, no, that's, I, that's the one that doesn't sound like Nicolas Cage to me. So okay. Harley-Davidson is, a, I imagine, is a publicly traded company. So anyone, in theory, could be a part owner of Harley-Davidson. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that that is the lie. I... I, I think that's just too too common of an action for Nick Cage. So I'm going to say him being part owner of Harley-Davidson is the lie. JP is starting to get it. That's correct. Oh, shit. He is, he is not part owner of Harley-Davidson. He has been arranged to be married, buried in a pyramid when he dies in the famous uh, cemetery in New Orleans. It's actually already been built, uh, the big cemetery there, so he could be buried inside a pyramid. A lot of people say it has something to do with his Illuminati uh, connections. We don't know. Um, and yes, he did collect castles, and yes, he was looking for the, the Holy Grail. He has spent a total of $12.3 million on two European castles, which he genuinely purchased out of a desire to find the Holy Grail. Quote, I started following mythology, and I was finding properties that aligned with that, Cage told the New York Times in 2019. For me, it was all about, where was the Grail? Was it here? Was it there? So, yeah, that was it. So, did... Well, did he choose wisely? Uh, he may have chosen wisely. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the, he did find the grail a long time ago. Maybe he is immortal. We don't know. Round three, two truths and a lie about Nicolas Cage. Number one, Nick and Johnny Depp were roommates in the 80s in Hollywood. Number two, he is going to play Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, in a Netflix TV show about his life. <laughs> Three, he has a tattoo of a lizard in a top hat on his back. I'm saying the Johnny Depp thing is bullshit. Okay. Hmm. I know that he expressed interest to play Joe Exotic. Mm-hmm. I... Hmm... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the tattooed about the lizard only because only Nick Cage and Johnny Depp who are two of the weirdest weirdos of all time uh, Jimbo because I call you Jim and Jimbo by the way yeah I know um we talked about how Johnny Depp has a thirty thousand dollar a month wine budget yes and only those two freaks could get along <laughs> together in the in the early eighties in Hollywood so I'm going with C the tattoo lizard thingy. Well, wow. it's funny. This is this is a testament to how just kind of uh, enigmatic Nick Cage is because it's actually a Nick and Johnny Depp were never roommates in the '80s in Hollywood. It is nailed it. It is the truth that Nick did encourage Johnny Depp to become an actor, and the only reason Johnny Depp did is because of Nick Nick Cage's encouragement. But he is going to play Joe Exotic in the Tiger King television show for Netflix. And he does have a tattoo of a lizard and a top hat on his back. I could not so, be um, more on board for that, by the way. Well, like, 
Dude, I'm more excited about the 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 dramatization of of Joe Exotic with Nick Cage in the in the leading role than I was about that stupid fucking show that everyone cared about at the beginning of the pandemic. All right, thank you. So we're gonna have to get to these honorable mentions. Uh, we're gonna make our comments. Let's try and be salient and let's try to be uh, brief if we can. Uh-huh. Got uh, it. Nolan, okay. Nolan, you're still the newest top guy, so you're gonna start first with your number three honorable mention. My number three honorable mention is Kick-Ass. Ah, well done. Nicely done. Nicely done. Nicholas Cage's death scene alone. <laughs> like, I, 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 like, I don't even know where to even fucking start with Nick Cage and Kick-Ass. Like, there's the part where he's, like, talking to his daughter about Benchmade butterfly knives. Like, there's... <laughs> The scene where he just, like, murders a fucking, like, warehouse full of mobsters. Like, in one of, like, what's maybe the best movies, like, one of the best, like, shots in a movie I've ever seen. And then he dies just screaming weird-ass, like, combat commands to his daughter while she's, like, (laughs) avenging his death as he's being burned. Like, what the living fuck? He has a fucking fake mustache. Yes. That he just puts on, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, I feel like all I gotta say about any of my entries is just, like, it's just Nicholas fucking Cage, like, just doing, like, no one else could do that, like, I don't know, so my, my number one, my number one, uh, yeah, my number one honorable mention is Kick-Ass, my number two honorable mention is Leaving Las Vegas, Mm, honorable mention, wow. really? Okay. Honorable yeah, mention. I don't know. I feel like it's an honorable mention. Like, I feel like it's a notable point in his career, but like, it wasn't like consistent. I don't know. I love Nicolas Cage. I love people being alcoholics. I love like renditions of alcoholics in movies, and uh, I'm all about it. And that's a tough movie. And I'll, I'll tell you what: if we're if we're doing the top guys, uh, you know, kind of meter on this. Leaving Las Vegas is, is is not high up on my rewatchability. Sure, that's that's why it's an honorable mention because it's yeah. not rewatchable. Like it's not. I cannot imagine, like you say, like you fucking like happen to throw on TNT and like the last thirty minutes is this on? Like I'm not gonna like you know cancel no, my I'm... fucking reservation, my dinner reservation because like I need to watch the last thirty minutes of Leaving Las Vegas. Like no, and I'm a person who loves I'm a person who loves sad movies and sad songs. But that movie is there's a there's a deeper level of sadness and despair in that that I, I just can't deal with. I'm not going to watch it again. I'm glad that I saw it and it is an amazing performance. Exactly. So it does, so it does deserve to be an honorable mention. But I'm not rewatching that movie a whole lot. I guess that's why it's an honorable mention. My number three I feel about Kiss of Death. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, in the Nick Cage canon of lunacy and weirdness. Here's my pop trivia question for Kiss of Death. What acronym does Nicolas Cage use to describe himself in Kiss of Death? But wait, balls, hold on. Balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it had balls in there. <laughs> balls, attitude, direction. Yep. Yep. Kiss of Death is a good movie. <laughs> it is It's a very mid-90s movie. Like, like this is a time when, like, Jade came out and, like, exactly. Kiss of Death. Exactly. These super I, weird movies where you're like, what the fuck? This this does not reflect reality in any way, shape, or form. This is on, like, another planet. But if you look at Nicolas Cage's entire career, like, that movie 
really does actually like give you like a good headline for the rest of his career. Like it seems like oh this is like some weird ass shit like and it's like he's off the fucking rails here, but like that's where he's going. Yeah. No, it, and it walks that line between yeah. between the sort of American kabuki style that Nicolas Cage has pioneered over the past you know, twenty or thirty <laughs> who, years. Who overacts more in Kiss of Death, Nick Cage or David Caruso? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that's like, a good question. Don't get me wrong; I love David Caruso. I'm a big fan. Okay, but you're talking about two of the most overacting actors. overacting redheadness sons of bitches. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like. Oh man! Yeah. I mean, all of his intros to CSI Miami are like, if you do a, if you do like a smash cut of all of those, I would laugh for probably thirty or forty minutes straight. Um, Dude, just David Caruso, David Caruso, Miami South Beach bikini. <laughs> <laughs> David Caruso is also in First Blood. The very first, he yeah, he's one. Of, he's just like one of the rando like young deputies in the sheriff's office, and he's like. He's the guy's like, hey, maybe we need to be easy on this guy. Like, maybe we're being too hard on this guy. And like, oh shit, he's a cream. Like, he's always like the voice of reason against Brian Dennehy and that other like fucking asshole racist cop. But yeah, uh, yeah I feel like we definitely got to talk about David. Cruz and that for t- that cop in Rambo, there's no, like he doesn't ever demonstrate the fact that he's racist, but it's clear that he is. Like he, yeah. he never he never had to make a racist comment, but just looking at him and what a douche he was, you're like, yeah, that guy's clearly racist. We're burning good time here. I want to. We are burning daylight. JP, we need to jump into your honorable mentions. All right. Uh, honorable mentions. Uh, my first one is Gone in 60 Seconds. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, super high cable rewatchability. Angelina Jolie with, like, blonde dreadlocks is still... Whew. Absurd. Whew. Absurdly like, watchable. Like, yeah. like, suspiciously hot. Like, you look at her at first and you're like... Am I supposed to be attracted to her? And then you are, and it's fantastic. <laughs> and then, and then like, the last thing be- I'll say about Gone in 60 Seconds is uh, the scene where they're about to, like, start the heist, and he does, like, the waving hand thing with the black little jacket. It's so Nick Cage. Yeah. And uh, a great right, ensemble cast, too. Josh Dumel, Robert Duvall, uh, Rabi- uh. Uh, uh, how do you say his name? Not Rabici, Rabisi. Well, how Rabici. Are Giovanni yeah. Rabici. Yeah, there you go. Is piece of shit. He plays the best piece of shit maybe ever. Potentially, yes. Except maybe like the guy who played like Leo's cousin on uh, The Departed. Oh shit, that guy's like, the those, best. Those two guys play like the best like sweaty assholes. We're <laughs> 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 just like, he's like we like the two, the two guys that have a deal that is like gonna fuck your shit up somehow. Like they have a get rich quick scam and it's gonna like wreck your shit. It's yeah. Giovanni Ribici and Leo's <laughs> cousin from The Departed. That guy guys. should be more well known. We we need to do another uh, Who's That yeah. Guy episode. We yeah, should we should. Have great. We should. Uh, right. My next honorable mention is Con Air. Ooh, oh. really? That's yes. a fucking. Is that a flex? I mean, it kind of a is. Bit. Okay, here's the thing though. Think about the cast. <laughs> okay, we have we have Nick Cage with a ridiculous uh, Southern accent. Okay. Yeah. The movie yeah. starts with Meg Ryan's "How Can I Live Without You." Okay, which is people forget Meg Ryan was slated to become like the greatest country music star of all time, and then personal issues just got in the way. Um, Wait, Meg Ryan? Not Meg Ryan. God. Oh my God. Leanne Rhymes. I don't know. How <laughs> I was like, whoa. Whoa, my brain, my brain shut off for a second. That's <laughs> what, what happened? I fundamentally <laughs> misunderstood this movie. If like we, that was Le- goddamn Le- Meg Ryan. Excuse me, that. Uh, Leanne Rhymes. 
Okay, so okay, you're thinking then, of then you're thinking of John, uh, Angels in America or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. we have John Malkovich. City of Angels. Yeah, whatever. City of Angels. Yeah. Then we have John Malkovich. We have John Cusack. It's a ridiculous yep. cast. Just <laughs> wacky, zany movie. There's a guy who gets thrown out of a plane with a message on a T-shirt. That guy being fucking goddamn Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, like <laughs> a guy. Maybe also, Dave Chappelle's most racist fucking role. Like Steve, Dave Chappelle Steve, with some hot takes on the Native Americans. I like, know, holy cow. And then, and then, and I say this, Steve Buscemi. Yes. Is playing like the creepiest. We talked about Anton Green. Anton Chigurh. Marietta Mangler. Anton Chigurh last week, but Steve Buscemi playing like the creepiest. Like child molester thing of like all time. It's we talk about cable. I think that kid was actually perfectly safe. I, I, that's you know. Yes. That but was that, also yeah. And the thing about that movie is, if it comes on and it's just starting, there's almost no way I'm going to sit down and watch the whole thing. Yeah. But if I'm going through the the, the the cable guide and I'm like, oh, there's 48 minutes left in Con Air. Damn, that movie's going on like for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my second honorable mention is Con Air. Yeah, I mean, uh, no disagreements here. Let's let's hear number one. And ah, uh, and it just missed the cut, and that's okay. Uh, just take a wild deep breath, at JP. Heart. Just do it. Wild at heart. Um, wow. Okay. Laura Dern. Yes. And Nick Cage. I don't know what like I don't know what they talked about. I don't know if they were hooking up when this movie was made. I don't know, but they are so good on screen together. They are. Oh, I man, love they, I love Laura Dern in this movie. I love her in that she's she's a, a crazy person, but she's so for some reason in this movie I find her to be so fucking hot. And uh, then for, I uh, all kinds of allusions to the Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah. Uh, Elvis Presley, and then uh, I mean, like one thing that I, I I find astonishing about this movie is that it won the Palme d'Or at the 1990 Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Yeah, Which, absolutely. Like, because like, I, I wrote that in my notes. I'm like, can you imagine you're like on this panel of like French guys smoking cigarettes, uh, drinking <laughs> drinking Coturon or you know champagne? Shout out to Matthew. Um, <laughs> and and then this is the movie that wins the Palme d'Or at at the Cannes Film Festival. It seems like it, it just an it, an unbelievable thing, but it speaks to the to the movie itself. It's it's entertaining. It's kind of gut wrenching. Uh, it's like you said, it's Lynchian, so it's it's kind of weird. And then yes, Laura Dern even today is astonishingly hot, but back then was like holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, so this one was like, I really really struggled back and forth with with this one in my third uh, overall pick. Uh, but it, this is a a clear front runner of the honorable mentions is Wild at Heart. Absolutely. I mean, this, this could fit into top three easily because it is one of his best. But also, this is what I love about Nick Cage. When it, that guy's on screen, you watch him. You look at him for some reason. I don't know what it is. So I'm going to jump into my honorable mentions really quickly here. I, what I love about our, all of our honorable mentions is that they're all different. Yes. I don't think I don't think anyone overlapped in any of this. His filmography is so widespread that, we, hey, we, we might even have all different top threes. We'll see. We, I don't think we will. I think we're, there's going to definitely be some overlap in there because it's very clear what Nick Cage's best movies are. But Oof. I will jump off my honorable mentions with Mom and Dad. Has anyone seen this movie? No. No, I have not. Please okay. expand. It's, 
it's kind of a horror movie, but not really. It's it, and it's not it's not like a horror comedy. It's it's a movie about uh, a mom and dad, two kids. Um, everything it's a normal day, and then something happens where there's like static that gets played on the radio, and it makes parents insane, and it makes them want to kill their children. So like the parents leave the parents leave for work. It's it's uh, uh, Nick Cage and Selma Blair. They leave for work in the morning. And they hear this static, and the kids start learning about it while they're at the house. And they're like, oh, what's going on? This is crazy. And then their parents show up, and they're like, oh, shit. And they're, at first, they're kind of cool. But then first, and then you realize, like, they're murderous, and they want to kill these kids. And then they start chasing them around the house. It gets really scary and silly. But Nick Cage, if you want someone in your movie to play someone who is kind of normal in the very beginning and then turns into, a like, a frothing-at-the-mouth lunatic, Nick Cage is your guy. You want this guy to play that character, and he does it so... And him and Selma Blair do such an amazing job in it. It is just... It's fun. It's a wild ride. It's twisted. Um, and it's like... Uh, one of the reviews said it was Home Alone on bath salts. <laughs> I was like... Yeah. Nice. yeah it, kind of, it kind of is that. Um, if you have a minute, watch it. It's very rewatchable for me. Um, I really like it. But number two in honorable mentions is uh, Honeymoon in Vegas. Okay. okay. I mentioned this earlier when we were doing our sound check. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, James Caan, Nicolas Cage. This is really Nicolas Cage is a is a bona fide movie star when he's when he stars in this movie in the late eighties. This is this is coming off of Moonstruck and Raising Arizona and Wild at Heart and like all these movies where he's been like lauded as this great actor. And Honeymoon in Vegas is the movie is really a critical film in his in his filmography because he is is a normal character in this movie, but he's, he becomes more and more unhinged as the movie, <laughs> as the movie progresses. And I, I was talking about that line where Sarah Jessica Parker feeds himself. And he goes, okay, I know that now. Like, it's like all the dialogue is either whispered or screamed. Like this is the movie where that happened. Um, and it's just, and it is, it's genuinely funny. James Caan is genuinely funny in this. Sarah Jessica Parker is genuinely funny. And so is Nicolas Cage because he's playing his overreactions for laughs and not in like a wicker man kind of way. Um, but yeah, love that movie. Think it's great. And then number, yeah. Number one is uh, Lord of War. You son of a bitch. I love this movie. It's a great one, dude. Yeah. I love, I love this, it. But he's so good in it. When it's like when he's like doing Christmas with his family and like the fucking Soviet Union's collapse and he's just like in front of the TV just like losing his goddamn mind yes. and everyone else is just like looking at him and he's like you don't understand how much money I'm about to fucking make right. like, <laughs> and like everyone's just looking at him and he's just like like sucking the TV's dick just because it's like yeah the fucking Soviet Union's collapsed and that's the thing. You, you, if you want a guy who can uh, who can play these situations where it goes from uh, relatively normal to high stakes insanity, Nick Cage is your guy, and he does it. And he, well, he walks a fine line in this. He doesn't do the American Kabuki style that he's used to in Lord of War. He is, believe it or not, he is a little subtle in this movie, even though there's a lot of crazy things happening around him. And I think what Nick Cage really does really well is like in songwriting. If you're writing something that's like all in a minor chord then you want to make the lyrics and the melody a little happier. And if you're writing yeah. something all in major, you want to make the lyrics and the melody a little minor. So what Nick Cage does is if he's surrounded by insanity, he gets subtle. And if he's surrounded by normalcy, he turns into a maniac. And <laughs> these are his best film roles. See, one of the so, best lines in that it was like where, where Ethan Hawke is like, uh, yeah, I'm like so-and-so from like alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. He's like, 
Let me guess. This isn't about the alcohol or the tobacco. Or tobacco, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, good. I can't forget about it. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Nolan, here we go. We're getting into top picks. Guys, I hate to keep pushing you forward, but you know what? We're, we're moving on down the line. The time is ticking away. All right. We're, we're burning daylight. Nolan, hit us with your number three. My number three is a, uh, a, 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 a wholesome little family flick called 8mm. Oh, whoop. I love that movie. The film is real. Like, it just, like, fucking forget about it. Like, it's Nick Cage as a PI, and it has Nick Nick Cage and, who is it, fucking Joaquin Phoenix, just, like, straight up diving into, like, this whole world of dark murder. Snuff films is what it's about. Snuff films and porn. Yeah, it's just... uh, I was just afraid it wasn't going to pop on the list, and so I felt like I needed to be there. Um, it's an amazing... It's just fucking insane. Catherine Keener has no fucking reason to be in the movie whatsoever. Like, it's his fucking wife who, like, writes textbooks or something. I don't know. It's just fucking absurd, but just really alone of just, like, the fucking, like, 20-minute scene of Joaquin Phoenix and Nicolas Cage, like, exploring the L.A. underground porn, porn world is just... I just fucking love it. That's my number. That's my number three. I'm I'm sticking with that. No, it's great. And I well, there's two movies that and they were back to back, and they both were kind of noir films. Eight Millimeter was obviously much darker, but Snake Eyes came out right before oh, yeah. Eight Millimeter, and Snake Eyes almost made my honorable mentions because <laughs> I, I will watch this movie whenever it comes on. It's got Lieutenant Dan. It's got uh, Nick Cage, um, and, and and it's it's like one of those whodunits. I mean, once you figure out who done it the first time you watch it, it's still rewatchable, which is a testament to the movie in and of itself. But Nick Cage, it's it's kind of filmed in that noir style, which I really like. And then Eight Millimeter took it to a super dark place. And then right after Eight Millimeter, he made uh, Bringing Out the Dead too, which uh, is a, another great movie. So An he amazing. did it. Yeah. yeah, I love that one. Yeah, what of Scorsese's oh, James- least lauded movies? James Gandolfini as the like. Uh... He's like a terrorist. Oh, where he's style, like, right? just kill me, man. He's like licking his fucking yes. gun and shit. He's like, put me on, like, forget it. Like, that's, yeah. Rest in so peace. A couple, couple years before Tony, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah. Forget about that. Like, I mean, he was probably coming off of fucking, uh, what is it, True Romance? Where he played, oh, like, yeah. an equally, yeah. like, big piece of shit in True Romance. And then just, like, goes right from that to 8mm. And then from that, presumably... On to the Sopranos. That's just fucking nuts, man. Rest I love in peace. It. What a what? Uh, JP, we need your number three top pick. <laughs> Let's have it. Um, it's Face Off. Yeah. Yep. Yes, JP. Forget about what it. What I love the the thing I love about JP is he normally picks all of the like those super hoity-toity fancy pants movies. And with Nick Cage, we're talking about Nicolas Cage, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. he's got Con Air and Face Off. Right? Those are the prestige uh, Nicolas Cage moves. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and like, and like, granted, I did not re- go back and rewatch this movie, but I watched a number of ten to fifteen minute YouTube clips of the film. There's a couple things I want to point out. Uh, the funeral uh, of like the FBI director or boss or whatever. <laughs> So, so Nick Cage, who with I the doves mean, and the yes, absolutely, oh, and, and then the shootout, right? And then so like, John Woo, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Nick Cage, who presumably grew up Catholic because he's Italian, in that movie, uh, he he kneels in front of candles, I, I guess to light a candle for who is brother. John Travolta's boss, right? Like, it's so confusing mm-hmm. because they switch 
uh, characters. Oh, right, yeah. He makes the sign of the cross with the left hand, which, like, Jim, come on, you grew up, you went to Catholic school. It's ridiculous. You yeah, don't make the sign no of the cross with the left hand. No one, no one in their right mind would ever do that, and I always mm-hmm. insane in that movie. And then the gold guns, like, Gordy talked yes. about this. Like, the gold guns are so silly. <laughs> yeah, but they're badass. I love this movie. Like, yeah. It, cable, re- cable rewatchability, 11 out of 10. And I yeah. know Paulina would hate watching this, but I would subject her to watching it because it's that good. Of like, and, the, and the thing I love about this movie is when you're watching it with someone who's never seen it, you're like, no, 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 no. Travolta is Cage now. <laughs> <laughs> two, of the goofy, two of the goofiest fucking actors of all time. Like that was the the casting of that was. Just, I don't know if John Woo had a big hand in the casting of that, but the casting of that was absolute genius. Because if you're looking for overacting weirdos, you pick the two best in the fucking business to do it. And no, they it's did like, such a great. No, job. no, no. That's that's not Cage. That's not Cage. That's Travolta. <laughs> you're confused because that's Travolta now. Yes. All right, my number so, three pick. Face. I gotta go on, JP. We got we gotta keep this thing moving. Yeah. We can stay on Face Off all night. Uh, my number three pick for Nicolas Cage movies. Matchstick Men. Ah, good movie, great film. This nice. is a mo- as far as cable rewatchability goes, it doesn't get much better. Matchstick Men, I will rewatch and rewatch. It also has Sam Rockwell in it, who I think is phenomenal. And this is one of those movies where it was later later in his career, but he just really knocks it out of the park in this movie. I think he does such a great job. Beautiful. It, I think actually, like if if you divide his career where you basically cut it off between like two thousand. Where you say like, okay, that's 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 the year where his career starts to get right. kind of crazy. This is the right. best film after two thousand that he's done, in my opinion. I would have to agree with you there. Um, well, I mean, I've got two other picks that. Well, I've got one other pick that might um, disagree with you, but I think that this is definitely in, in his top three uh, post two thousand for sure. Yeah. All right. So that being said, number two pick, Nolan, knock our socks off. What do you got? Um, I'm going to knock your soft socks off with a nice little flick called Raising Arizona. Yes. I don't know. I was waiting. I was trying to be respectful. I thought it maybe would have come up, and it hadn't come up yet. I didn't want to be the fucking last asshole to bring up Raising Arizona. <laughs> so I, I got. I just got to talk about Raising Arizona, man. Like, I mean, maybe one of the apex mountains of Nicolas Cage's career is whenever like he throws him down and like Nicolas Cage like holds up the fucking grenade pin. Yeah, I know. He's like, I'm sorry. He's just like, I'm I'm really sorry, man. And like, you fucking explodes. That's just like, I don't know. That was just a real fucking moment for me. It's like, yeah, we fucking, we did battle. I won. It fucking sucks. I'm sorry. I have the grenade pin. You don't. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Don't even get me started on uh, Holly Hunter and that. Uh, It's just, it's just good, good shit. That's my number two. 100% 100% agree with everything you said. Holly Hunter's amazing. I mean, John Goodman, Francis McDormand. Forget about it. Like, it's just, yeah, it's bonkers. These are these are all folks that the Coen brothers will continually collaborate with through, through the course of their the, the next, you know, and uh, and and Mary years. And Mary in terms and, of Francis McDormand. Right, and Mary over the course of the next 30 years. I find it very telling that Nick Cage was never in another Ethan Brothers movie. Or a Coen that's Brothers a, movie. That's an odd one because it seems like anyone that's been in, in a Coen Brothers movie gets invited back. It's right? gonna be so in like, the next Coen. It's like Quentin Tarantino. It's like if you're in one of if you're one of his players, you're one of his players. 
And uh, it is super odd that like Nicolas Cage hasn't shown up in another Coen. And like, if he just happened to pop up any day in a Coen Brothers movie, that would just be the biggest fucking flex because everyone's waiting for him and he hasn't showed up yet. That's I my num- that's my number two. No, great pick, great pick, JP. Number two pick. Uh, my number two pick is leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Woo! I mean, that's that's right. I mean, it's a correct pick. I'm not going to argue with it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and like you know, a couple elements about this film. Um, you know, Paulina, my wife, likes to say that I'm fake Polish, which is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> but the fact that there's like a Polish mobster element in this film has always been entertaining to me. Sure. And I, I think this is the one time in his career where Nick Cage was given a research assignment, which was become an alcoholic that was perfectly suited for him. Uh, so he actually went to Dublin. So like only Nick Cage would say, you know what? I'm filming a movie in Las Vegas, but I'm gonna fly to Dublin and visited a bunch of, uh, what he called career alcoholics, uh, (laughs) to understand their life. And he said he quote, very much enjoyed practicing for this film. Yeah. So, yeah. Jesus Christ. Happily. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. I and and and, uh, and and it's hard to tell because I think a lot of the people have been kind of tight-lipped about it. But there are clearly some scenes where he actually was drinking and drinking very heavily. And I um I you know, I no one close to me um and or or myself uh, have, have ever been an alcoholic? I like I really don't know what that struggle is like, um, and and I kind of wish I did because I think it would put the film in a different light. But it's clear that <laughs> he has a demon, and the crazy thing in this movie that I that I really enjoy is that he embraces the demon. I think he's okay with it. He literally wants to drink himself to death. Yeah. And and the the fact that he won an Academy Award. Is almost astonishing to me. Like when people talk about Nick Cage, they think of buying castles and like cashing checks in these ridiculous movies. Like he went and turned in an astonishing performance that won him an Oscar. Which, like, like Jim, you've said it before. Like these guys, they don't really care if they win Oscars. Like that, that's not what really matters to them. But it's still an achievement. And the fact that Nick Cage got an Oscar for this movie is, um. A testament to, I think, actually him tapping into the little bit of talent that he does have and maximizing it in this film. Not a testament to his uncle, for sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's and that's fair. I had to bring it up. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it really applies. Yeah, but, but like Sofia Coppola was widely just derided oh my for God. her role in in what is now known, excuse me, as uh, the death of Michael Corleone. Yeah. Uh, that, that's been changed, by the way. Um, but like, you know, she's a great, so have, have I been saying Corleone and Coppola wrong this entire fucking time? Is it Corleone and Coppolona? Uh, uh, Cop- Coppola, Coppola, uh, uh. Coppola. Okay. I don't know if, if you're over pronouncing it or I'm under pronouncing it. Well, I'm just I, as Jim and, and our good friend, Tony Schulte, listener of the podcast, like to say, I over pronounce it. Is it Schulte or Schulte? It's Schulte. Schulte. Yeah. It's Schulte. <laughs> 
No, no, Tony says Schulte, Jim, for sure. I know he does. I know oh, he does, for no, sure. Oh, now you're fucking with me. Okay, great. Yeah, of course. Of course. We're getting yes. into the minutia of how to pronounce my RX boss's name. I don't care about that shit. Phenomenal. All right, so <laughs> so uh, we're moving on. Uh, yes, great pick, JP. A lot of uh, interesting and wonderful facts. I appreciate it. My number two is also Raising Arizona. Nice. Um, Nick Cage, again, you know, when subtlety calls for it, he's there. And when insanity calls for it, he's there as well. But he's subtle pretty much for this entire movie. And I think that's the big difference, right? Um, is that he's he finds that maybe acting style to be boring, although he's very good at it. So, Racing Arizona, number two pick. All right, here we go. This is this is the nitty-gritty now. This is the number one pick oh, for shit. Nicolas Cage. This is, a, a again... A very tough, a very dense field here with Nick Cage's picks. I mean, and I'm interested to hear what everyone's number one picks are because I'm excited, except for the one thing where Nolan and I picked Racing Arizona, but I knew that that was going to happen. I'm excited to hear everyone's number one pick. I hope it's not all the same one, but Nolan, let's hear it. What do you got? My number one pick, I like to get weird with my number one picks. I like to, you know, shine a light on something that maybe hasn't had a light shined on it. My number one pick is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Ah, well done. Wow, okay. Nicholas Cage. So, I watched... So, my wife and I, Angela, went and saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I sat there through that entire fucking movie, watched the entire movie, loved it. We're walking out to the fucking parking lot at the Alamo Draft House, and Angela was like, Nicholas Cage fucking crushed that shit. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, Nicholas Cage was Spider Noir. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. And like, I like got to the car and looked it up, and I was like, oh my god, that was Nicholas Cage. And then like, I went home and like, you know, not when it was like right on streaming, but I streamed it as soon as I could. And then like, straight up, it was just like, goddamn, that's Nicholas Cage. Like, but the second like she heard it, she un she couldn't unhear it. I didn't unhear it. But um, yeah, I feel like that was. Of all the most recent shit that he's done, your Mandy's, your all these weird fucking horror movies that he's done, uh, I just loved him in fucking Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse when he's like talking shit about fighting Nazis and calling people <laughs> like fucking turtle slappers and shit. So I just like, it was like a fucking course it was Nicolas Cage. Like, I don't know. I was, uh, I didn't catch it. My wife caught it. I'm and like, that doesn't happen a lot. I'm normally the catcher. And, uh, that's, that's what I've heard. Yeah, exactly, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let that ride. But uh, it's 2021, bro. Like, I know I'll I'll stop living in my yeah 1950s a, idea about yeah, what men yeah, and women dude, should be. The fucking ass is on the menu, bro. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's my fucking pick. I, I got Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Dude, phenomenal, of... phenomenal pick. Love that movie. I brought my kids to see it. Obviously, um, they both were they're both into Spider Man and superheroes and all that stuff. Um, I love Spider-Man too, but I'm not, you know, I'm not huge into animated movies, but this one really was just so great from the beginning to end. Um, spectacular. I, well, this movie, because it is animated, it really took the whole multiverse idea into the next level, which we're seeing a lot of in Loki on Disney plus right now. And, yeah. uh, and, and actually, actually Disney plus just like today dropped a trailer for their new, what if series, which is like an animated series where it's just like, Hey, what if you know Black Widow became Captain America instead of Captain America, or, or instead of Steve Rogers, or uh, what if uh, you know Black Panther stepped in and saved Tony Stark before he got blown up in the first Iron Man? But uh, anyway, that that I, I watched that first trailer like 20 minutes before I got onto this pod, 
And uh, it was okay. Cool. JP, number one pick. What do you got? Uh, so my my, my number one is Raising Arizona. Yeah. Well, sure. ain't nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I talked about uh, No Country for Old Men last week, and and the Cohen brothers. Um, a couple notes. One for our, our dear friend Gardy. You know, the Cohen brothers are Ashkenazi Jews. Uh, yes, they so are. I, I want to make sure that Gardy knows that because he he loves. To Shout out, Gardy! If you ever yes. come back to the fucking podcast, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, so I, I think that's important to note. And then I saved this tidbit. Wow, I I had to like. I had to like squeeze my fists because you were talking about how the Cohen brothers have clearly have a staple or excuse me, a stable of, of actors and actresses. They like to call on Uh cage had a real issue with the Cohen brothers in raising Arizona. Um, he would suggest things and the Cohen brothers would look at him and then just completely ignore what he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, seems like a good move. Yeah. And, and at one point, <laughs> Uh, in, in my notes here, I, I had that, that Cage said that they have a, quote, autocratic nature. So, right. I think they uh, Like had... filmmakers? <clears throat> yeah, and so I, 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 I think the filming was contentious, and that's the reason he never got invited back. Right. Um, I've talked about this before. This, this film comes in, uh, I'm looking at my notes here, at 94 minutes. Mm-hmm. Which I think, I don't know why I'm obsessed with this concept, but I think the 90-minute film should be the goal for filmmakers. Uh, I talked about it with Blazing Saddles. 90 minutes, I think, is the appropriate amount of time for a film. I think to yes. ask, I think to ask people to sit down and now let's think about it with cable TV. Um, 22 minutes of programming, eight minutes of commercials is the average for a, a cable program. So. You, you more or less have to add another 30% to the time of a film. So if you have a two-hour film and you're trying to watch it on cable, I mean, you're talking about almost a three-hour adventure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, from from start to finish, it's ridiculous. Whereas a- Raising if, Arizona, when it comes on TV, is about two hours. You can watch it, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. It's delightful. It's odd. It's strange. It's everything a Coen Brothers movie should be. And Nick Cage, I, I think in this film is where he said, I am determined to prove to people that I'm not just a famous film director's nephew. Right. Um, and, and I talked about him leaving Las Vegas where he, he really turned in a, a, a good role. He did the same here. And <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and the, the very end where, like, the Polish-American, like, too many Polak jokes and then, like, the, the football, right? Like... Uh, it, it, it's everything a Coen Brothers movie should be, and I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, forget about it. The cable rewatchability on this thing is twelve out of ten. It's it's just uh, it's the the Coens, and I loved I loved all that backstory too, JP. That's great about the Coen Brothers being autocratic because they're not just filmmakers; they're writers. You know, so like writers are very touchy about you changing any dialogue and i'm sure nick cage wanted to change a bunch of dialogue well, and that's why it probably and, and like and like like if you ever look into the cohen brothers one of them went to nyu one went to princeton right. uh their father was an economist i think at the university of minnesota you're gonna have to look me up on that one i'm, I'm sorry ethan and joel if you ever listen to our podcast i don't know everything about your father <laughs> 
when we have them on, when we have both of them on, we'll uh, we'll clarify. And then, and then, if I'm not mistaken, their grandfather was some kind of like hoity-toity Londoner uh, before his family moved to America. Like these guys are extremely smart. They come from a very high-end background. They're Jewish. Nick Cage, of all people, is not going to tell them how to make their film. No, of course not. And I and I think they're probably like, dude, shut up. Is is probably what they were really thinking. And I think that's why he's never been invited back to the stable. 100%. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Great background on Raising Arizona. Thanks, JP. Um, I'm not going to have as much background on mine um, other than the fact just to say that I enjoy the, I enjoy the shit out of this movie. Um, and it is Nick Cage, a latter-day Nick Cage movie that is uh, very, very fine. And it's a subtle piece of acting on his behalf. Adaptation. Ah. Uh. It's being being John Malkovich part two. It double, is yes. Double cage. Yes, it is. Well, it's double. You're getting double the cage for for the same price, which is a bargain every day and twice on Sunday. And you've got Spike Jones directing. You've got uh, Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper in supporting actors roles, uh, which they which Chris Cooper won the fucking Oscar for. Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper both won the Golden Globe for. Um, Nick Cage is a movie star, so he doesn't win awards, but. Uh, him playing Charlie Kaufman and his brother Donald uh, and writing themselves into their own screenplay but also being aware of how narcissistic and insane it is to write yourself into your own screenplay but still having the movie come like it's up its own ass and so meta that like and I know that that's like so some people find that really annoying I like I love watching movies like this where I'm going like this is fucking hilarious the filmmakers in on the joke I still think it's funny and it's still telling the story in a way that I think is funny and I've also like you know, I've, I've tried to write screenplays. I have written a number of songs in my life. But I've also gotten to the place where you're like, you, you, you don't know what else to do, but you have a, like kind of a deadline on something. And then the next thing you know, you just crap something out. And you're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever done. This is the most self-indulgent bullshit that's ever happened to me. Um, and meanwhile, the people around you, that are, like his brother Donald, that are writing like the, the, like the dreck of the universe are like winning awards and going out to all these fancy parties and stuff. Like I related to that on so many levels. And Nick Cage, this is one of Nick Cage's like latter day movies that has some subtlety in it, where he plays uh, and like Charlie Kaufman to a, a really great degree, where he plays this really uptight, neurotic uh, screenwriter who uh, is sees this sort of phony baloney world around him, and then eventually he writes a phony baloney movie that he fucking hates that is about him. So it's like he takes a, a one of the one of the better books of the twenty first or the twentieth century, twenty first century. Um, and wants to make such a wonderful thing out of it that he ends up blowing it up and making it the worst thing ever. I, I just, everything about it I think is hilarious and amazing. And uh, and Nick Cage is just uh, a fucking genius in this movie. Have I you... can't argue with that top guy opinion. Have I mean, that's, that's, as, that's as top guy as it gets. So, uh, great picks, you guys. Nick Cage is a tough, tough subject. Um, you know, is he great? Is he insane? Is he is he so is he so insane that he's sane again? The answer all is yes. So all all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> is just, he, yeah. Click it. Yeah. Is he searching for the Grail? Is he immortal? We don't know. The greatest we, well, the greatest movie line in the 21st century. <clears throat> I'm going to steal the we'll Declaration steal the of Independence. That was literally a <laughs> trivia question last night. I did a trivia round. It was just all about movies about America, and I had. Uh, like the opening scene from Godfather was like I believe in America, and then it was like Top Gun, and it was like I was inverted, and uh, like literally there was like a, a, a movie clip that was just like the words I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Like, 
forget about it. Like the, the guy just belongs in any in any discussion you're having about anything. He's there. Yes, exactly. And- the dog agrees. Stella wholeheartedly agrees. Me and Stella know what's up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you, Stella. So, so <laughs> all right. For the Top Guys Movie Podcast, I'm Jim Davis. This is J.P. Wachikowski. And I'm guest star Nolan English. <laughs> Don't ad lib, dude. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. All right. That was great, guys. Thank you all so much. Bye-bye. Of course. Yeah. Bye. Top guys, top guys, they are all me now. Top guys, top guys. We have top men working on it right now. Top guys, top guys. Who? Top men. Top guys, top guys, they are all me now. Top guys, top guys.